Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. Last week I forgot to bring it up, but I watched Tiger King, the first episode, and decided I will not be watching any more Tiger King. Did you check this out at all? No, I didn't. Well, let me save you some time, potentially. Uh, the first one was a documentary, correct? Trashy documentary, but a documentary all the same. Yeah. This is a trashy reality show now. Ugh. It is a fucking reality show. They can dress it up any way that they want, but they spend the entire thing finding the characters from Tiger King that are out of jail and in jail and doing interviews with them and talking about how their life has changed and blah, blah, blah. It's fucking awful. They're revealing nothing like they did in the first one. All the rocks are flipped over. There's nothing to reveal anymore. Now it's just about hanging with these people and getting the numbers up for Netflix. And they're showing a lot of people who are going to the zoos and visiting now. And I'm just like, so did we not learn that these people are human garbage in the documentary? But apparently a lot of people just just can't get enough and just want to see them. And so all the business is booming now. Oh, fuck. Fuck these people. Fuck this show now. I would recommend season one. I cannot in good conscience recommend season two. Fuck it, dude. That's like, fair. Yeah. I was one episode in and I was like, oh, this was worse than I imagined. Because <laughs> I thought it would be a documentary that's just like repeating things I've already heard and not really shocking surprises like they did in the first one. But they just went ahead and turned it into a reality show of human garbage so yeah that doesn't excite me at all yeah so you said that there was a couple of minutes that were dropped for the new jurassic world movie so they released the first five minutes of uh, jurassic world dominion which is coming out february of next year 2022 i watched it of course all set in jurassic times it's dinosaurs like chasing other dinosaurs and like brachiopods walking around and then like mosquito bites a T-Rex and then it goes to the modern times. It takes place after the last Jurassic World and they're chasing down the dinosaurs that got loose. The last one was the one where they tried to clone one, right? I, I can't remember anymore. The last one wasn't, wasn't good. <laughs> I'm not I, even sure I saw the last one, to be honest. All I remember is they're in some mansion and then they were seven yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah, that's a cloning yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then there's a bunch of dinosaurs loose and they're chasing after this uh, T-Rex that's loose and goes stomping through a, a drive-in movie. Oh, and so now they're doing the dinosaurs have hit the United hit States. Hit the mainland. Again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twice this week I've saw... Like, just notable marquee movies. So they had two movies on the marquee at the drive-in. The first one was American Graffiti. Okay. The second one was Flash Gordon. Nice. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah. I'm imagining the American Graffiti one is a nod to Lucas because it's a, probably still a Spielberg production, I'd imagine. I think so. Yeah. I think he owns all of this, so. Yeah. But I thought it was funny. I don't know if I'd go to that double building. I might just skip out on the first one and then watch the second one. Hey, when you talk about that group of friends throwing Lucas a bone, right now, as this episode drops, there's an episode of A Cosmic Void where we talk about the Godfather. And there's a part where there's a spinning newspaper. And that spinning newspaper was filmed by a man named Georgie Lucas. So, Little Georgie? Yeah. 
Coppola was throwing Georgia a bone, so. And he really was. This was before. American Graffiti. American Graffiti. Thank you. <laughs> that one beer it goes straight to my head. Uh, so moving on, there's some new stuff with Spider-Man No Way Home. Sandra Bullock was on Jimmy Kimmel and seemed genuinely confused that there's rumors that she's going to be playing Madam Web in the new movie. She didn't understand who Madam Web was. Like Jimmy Kimmel had to explain it to her. I 100% believe her that she was not in this movie. Also, I don't think Madam Web's in this movie. I know it's a whole multiverse thing. But, like, that's a lot of shoe leather to explain things that, like... You're right. That's a deep cut. That's exactly what that is. Do you know who Madam Web is? Yeah, I... Do you know it from the cartoon series? No. Okay, how do you know it? I'm curious. Uh, You threw me that book the where everybody turns into spiders oh spider uh, island spider island so madam webb's in that one yeah i forgot it's been a few years since i read that one yeah she's basically oversees all the spider people something with the giant web of time it changes all the time because they've been whatever the plot that character to be. yeah they've been rolling <laughs> that character out since the 90s so you know it's constantly there's a bigger plan there's a bigger plan you keep thinking you're at the bigger plan nope there's a bigger plan whatever <laughs> <laughs> the whole end of the Spider-Verse thing in the comics. Apparently, Madam Web's preparing everybody for that until there's a bigger thing later. Like, that's just how yeah. they roll, you know? Uh, also, they dropped, I believe, five TV spots for Spider-Man Homecoming. I know I saw a couple of them. Yeah. I think I saw all five. It might have been six. Like, all the YouTube things were lined up. Uh, I was looking at an article in Collider. They had them all lined up. Like, they had all their texts where they're talking about whatever. And then I just skip over all that and watch all the videos. So one of the things that have Doctor Strange in a scene that was just in the second teaser trailer and suddenly it was at nighttime in the teaser trailer and now it's kind of dawn when the exact same scene happens. So they're already changing things in the background, right? Like we got word that they were fiddling with some stuff with Spider-Man, rewriting it to the end. Talked about this with Carl and they had to do reshoots on Doctor Strange and it was purely because Disney moved Doctor Strange back and Sony was like fuck you we're not moving our movie back even though it's in the wrong order so Marvel's had to fix everything so it looks like they're frantically working to make this deadline for that and Doctor Strange so I got a little bit of an uneasy feeling and that is evidence that it's happening too like when you get a simple detail like that that means they're flipping the order of things right yeah so that's a little scary and then also that one of the TV spots illuminates that Electro is using an arc reaction actor on his suit. So, I saw that. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Like, he's got some Stark tech, so I wonder if that's just the Electro from the other world, or if it's got something to do with the suit. I don't know. Like, they don't have to do all of them one-on-one from the previous movies, right? Right. My favorite part of that is Electro, where lightning comes out of his face, so it looks like the mask from the... The yellow lightning bolt star... Yeah. Thing that he had forever in the <laughs> comics until they decided it looked real dumb. <laughs> it looked <laughs> like real it dumb. probably looked great until it looked real dumb. It just happens instantaneously in comics, and that's when you get that redesign. And then there was also a Hyundai commercial that dropped with Tom Holland, and he's playing Spider Man. And of course, he's got his mask off because you got to make people know that it's Tom Holland. And so 
he's going to do something with the multiverse and he goes to swing outside of the house and then you realize he's in the middle of nowhere like it looks like Iowa or something and so he's just like sprays out his web and it just goes to nowhere just boom yeah and then Ned shows up with a car and they get in the car and just make a lot of jokes like while they're in the car it's fun dude it's a fun tie-in they don't have those very often anymore and usually when they do they're really stupid but this one was stupid in a great way a little bit more comic adjacent news grew the wanderer did you ever read that comic book when you were growing up no okay so sergio aragonas who i know you have to know he did the drawn out dramas on mad magazine the little tiny comic strips that were on the sides of the page and at the top of the page like they were kind of hidden every couple of pages you know what i'm talking about not really no really i think if you like got a mad magazine in your hand you'd be like oh yeah this like it was just these little tiny comic strips that they would have like a little one panel deal and he'd always have noses where they like kind of went like up and then like ballooned out and he would do other stuff for mad magazine as well but i think the drawn out dramas was probably what he was most famous for so he had a comic book series with marvel that still might be going i think and it's Grew the Wanderer. And so the whole idea of Grew the Wanderer is he's got this dog. I think it's like Ruffella or something like that. And he looks like a Conan knockoff. And he goes around from town to town, basically like Conan the Barbarian, except real dumb. And he's real trigger happy with that sword. And so it's just like anything that he sees that he thinks is a potential situation he needs to jump in the middle of, he will jump in the middle of with the sword and make it worse every single time. And he's been doing this for like 30 years, 40 years in the comics. Like I loved it as a kid. I have not picked up one in a really long time, but I have really good memories of it. So they're turning it into an animated show for streaming services with Josh Jones and Sergio Aragon is overseeing it. I like that Sergio is still involved. He has to be old as shit. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a dude who made his bones with Mad Magazine for sure. Like not just a little bit. Like he was with Matt from like at least the 60s until it folded. So he is old as fuck is what I'm getting at. <laughs> It's got to be pushing 80 now. Okay, so I just paused this to show Brandon a sketch of Sergio Aragones with Mad. Does that art style look familiar? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So he had the drawn out dramas that adorning almost every page of Mad Magazine. I'm sure if you had one, you'd remember. But anyway, so that was the Sergio news that I wanted to talk about. Moving on, Agatha all along, nominated for a Grammy. Yeah, I saw that. Isn't that crazy? It's really an earworm, though. It deserves it, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, that, and it was just such a, like, fun reprieve, plus it, like, has, like, the monster style to it. Like, Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It was nominated for Best Song for Visual Media. That fucking fits the bill, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I know so many people that sing that when you talk about WandaVision, at least part of it. It was Agatha all along. Like, and you can't help but bring it up whenever you talk about the Agatha Harkness character, right? Right. That's kind of fucking great. I don't have much more to say on this. It was just like, it was news that made me very happy. Yeah, like, it deserves a little recognition. I'm I'm happy for this. I'm going to go and say it's a banger. (laughs) It's like 75 seconds long and it's a fucking banger, right? Yeah, kind of is. 
And she kills a dog at the end of it, and women still sing it. <laughs> That's pretty fucking good. She didn't get attacked by John Wick. No. <laughs> Not yet. There's rumors Keanu Reeves is going to be in the Marvel Universe. So if he is, we know who he's going for. <laughs> Uh, Kathleen Kennedy was talking about characters from the sequel trilogy. Somebody asked her about it, and she said, certainly those are not characters we're going to forget. They will live on in those conversations that are going on with the creative team as well. So in other words, she's leaving the door open for characters from the sequel trilogy to show back up. What are your thoughts on this? Do you want to see any of those characters having any kind of series or movie or anything like that. I could definitely watch series that like I think uh I like Finn to see, is an internet like that Finn was right where I was gonna go. I would like to see an actual arc for Finn. Yeah. Maybe like a romance plot, like all the things that he didn't get in the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Or even just like him as like a, a cadet for the first order like that could be interesting like there is some there's some stuff you could tell with Finn's character yeah like and it could be it could be all of that like it could be you know showing some backstory from his you know first order days trying to come through like the modern rebellion there's a lot of meat on those bones that they could use. If they did a Ray story, I wouldn't be mad, but I do feel like they I kind of overpowered it. her. I they don't overpowered need it. her, so it's hard to like imagine where it goes, right? Like, yeah. She has every Jedi in her. Yeah, and that's that, that's a tough one. I mean, there's so many other characters like I mean, Poe, Poe Dameron, like we could get more of his character. I'm okay with leaving the door open for those characters have their own series yeah absolutely okay so we talked about the main three how about like side characters i want to see the boba frick show dude what the fuck is boba frick up to (laughs) what does boba frick do do you even know who boba frick is yeah he's the little engineer guy that reboots 3po yeah yeah what's boba frick up to I want to see a day in the life of Boba Frick (laughs) spread out over six half-hour episodes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I could could watch that. Like, I could watch Boba Frick eat a sandwich. (laughs) It would be so comical, dude. (laughs) What about, uh, what's her name? But it's got to be, like, hysterically oversized sandwich. What's her name who, uh, Carrie Russell plays, who wears the helmet, who's, like, apparently a love interest of Poe Dameron? Miles Kanata? (laughs) (laughs) Miles Kanata. She wants to fuck Chewie. Like, she wants to fuck Chewie. (laughs) Speaking of which, I could deal with the Miles Kanata show. That would be great, dude. Just her trying to fuck her way across the galaxy, dude. (laughs) Just finding overly sized, like, like, ooh, that ranker is looking pretty good. (laughs) Because she's so little and Chewie's so big. Like, ranker has got to be, like, a size queen... You know, looking up John Holmes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, he's going to be dangerous, and he's also going to be dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, on both fronts, like, <laughs> we are not safe for network, folks. <laughs> not safe for work is right in the title. <laughs> Carrie Russell plays that woman who Poe Dameron really likes in Revenge 
the, the wait what what's the last one called return re- I can't even think of it now. Is it something? Rise, Rise of the Skywalker. There you go. Rise of Skywalker. Man, Why we're about to Skywalkers? lose our nerd cards, man. <laughs> I'm old. I can't help it. I'm old and drank a beer. But like, so she was the one. Well, she was the one that like. She's got a rock and bod. I was trying to avoid saying it, but she's got a rock and bod, dude. Like, right? Yeah. She's, she's basically wearing, like, she stepped out of Kill Bill and she was the bride. Like, Oh, okay. <laughs> she's basically wearing, like, I the was, suit. I was, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. I was thinking of the one that, like, they have the little horse things that, like, take no. down the starship. No, not that. Like, her. I want to know her deal. Like, yeah. do I they have a whole about. thing behind her helmet? Like, does she ever take off the helmet? Like, the helmet stays on. I can deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can deal with it, dude. You're in Star Wars. There's way crazier things. You got Maz Kanata over there trying to bang a ranker, you know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, I th- I didn't expect the Star Wars where things went off the rails. <laughs> hey, Kathleen Kennedy, if you're ever thinking about doing a more adult Star Wars show for Hulu, I'm your guy. <laughs> I've got so many ideas for the sequel trilogy. <laughs> you have no idea. I just saw Kathleen Kennedy got re-upped on her contract, too. Good, dude. She's been killing it lately. Yeah. I know the internet will fucking fillet me for saying that, Fuck. but whatever, dude. Like, I've really enjoyed The Mandalorian. Go fuck they- yourself. <laughs> <laughs> they would fillet you if you said the other way too. So I love the Clone Wars. Okay, uh, I loved Bad Batch. Like I'm in. I'm in for a penny. I'm in for a pound. Even if I don't like every single movie, I'm still in. I, I don't judge it off of three movies. You know. Yeah. So you saw the new Ghostbusters movie. I did not because I'm having troubles at home and I couldn't get to go see it in the theater. But if I'm being honest. It's all right. (laughs) It's okay that I didn't get to go see it. Because, like, I told you I've been having this trepidation that it might be a kid's Ghostbusters movie. What's the verdict? It is, but I I think you would enjoy this movie. Okay. Because it's two hours and five minutes long. And the first hour and a half are fairly pedestrian. Like, it just kind of plods through the last half hour is fucking gold. Is it good enough to save the movie? It's good enough that I would suggest watching it for the that last half hour is worth watching. It will get you. But that being said, there's a few things that really fucking bother me about it. Before we get into what bothered you, can you give me a basic summary of the plot? It start, opens up with somebody running across the farm and then there's, they're being chased by a ghost. This is way more in-depth than I want. Five sentences. <laughs> And but he ends up getting killed by the ghost. Okay, that's one. That's the main character's grandfather. That's two. They go to reclaim the farm because they got kicked out of their or evicted out of their apartment. That's three. They fuck around this little small town for a while. That's four. They bust some ghosts. Okay, we got our synopsis in six sentences because you had one before I started counting. (laughs) What are your problems with this movie? My problems are the soundtrack. So they basically use the soundtrack from the original first Ghostbusters. When you say the soundtrack, you mean more than the theme song? Like they use the whole soundtrack? Like the the walking around New York song. Okay. Like you would know it if you heard yeah, it. Yeah, I, I know in my head, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like that. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. They, But that has a very New York feel to it. Like Also like an ups, 80s feel. Ups, <laughs> upscale New York 80s feel. Yeah. That does not 
translate for bumfuck nowhere, Oklahoma. Do they use any Ghostbusters 2 music, like any like Bobby Brown or anything like that? No, but they have a really bad song at the very end. It's awful. Hold on, hold on. Are you indicating that Bobby Brown song is is bad? Because I'm telling you like, well, I guess we're gonna have to take a Oh, that's a banger. Yeah, that's that's the one I'm talking about. That's a fucking banger. Yeah, okay. But it's not in there, huh? No, that's not in there. Okay, bummer. Um, The second is if you boil down the whole movie, it is a, basically it's a remake of the first movie. The same fucking big bad evil guy. Uh, Like, I'm getting really sick of this, like, let's reboot but have it be in continuity thing that they're doing. Yeah, but it's like the same fucking bad guys, the same, like, the dog. Did Zool, like, design the barn that they're in? (laughs) (laughs) No, the hollowed out volcano. (laughs) <laughs> Zool's now hanging out in the hollowed out volcano. Okay. Or Gozer. Right. <laughs> that that bothered me a lot. Like Did Dana show up? Did Sigoni Weaver? So yeah. Okay. Ernie Hudson? Yep. All, what, did he have the least of the cameos? Like, were they like... No, he do, actually... They, really? I would say, I, I I would say Ernie Hudson is in the movie more than Bill Murray. that everybody was going to get a one to two minute cameo except for Ernie Hudson who comes in towards the end and gets like five seconds. <laughs> Ernie Hudson gets his own cutscene. Nice. Like, it, end credit scene. Is that it? Just an end credit scene? No, he's also in the movie. Okay, good. But he good. gets in the movie plus his own end credit scene. So Jason Reitman tried to make that right. He tried. Man, he tried like, to make it right. There man. was a lot to make make up for. Yeah. In both Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2. Does Bill Murray in his cameo happen to have any rape drugs on him? No. Okay, so they don't totally copy the first movie. They just pick and choose what they're copying is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. How annoying is Dan Aykroyd in this movie? A little annoying. Like, so he's doing Ray. He's about, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's nailing Ray is what you're saying. Yeah, he's about, out of like a spectrum of Ray from one to ten, he's about a four. Let's rank Ghostbusters really quick. Like original Ghostbusters. How do you rank them? I mean, Vankman's first. Everybody Vankman's knows Vankman's first. Yeah. I think I go Egon second. Yeah, I do too. Egon's got a lot of funny stuff. Although I would not ever want to hang out with Egon for longer than maybe a lunch but, but like, he's a like as far as like watching him he's an interesting character yeah then i would go probably winston's Ed winston Moore. yep and then i would go rick moranis's character followed <laughs> by annie potts too. Yeah. does annie <laughs> potts count as a ghostbuster yeah go her she works for uh, ghostbusters come on uh let's say K- kate mckinnon then <laughs> 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 Leslie Jones. Uh, I guess Melissa McCarthy after that. Uh, boy, I'm forgetting somebody. I'm forgetting somebody. Who am I forgetting? Slimer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, Slimer's that's one the of the real, real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely Slimer. Who's the woman I'm forgetting? Uh, Sigourney Weaver? No, 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 no. In, in the 2000. 16 answer the call. We got Kate McKinnon. We got Leslie Jones. We got McCarthy. Who's the fourth one? Oh, oh, oh. Then I would go with um, um, what's her face from McGruber. Uh, oh, uh, and Saturday Night Live. Not happening. <laughs> She's in The Martian. <laughs> Kristen Wig. Wig. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Kristen Wig. 
Then I would go her. Um, I'm just trying to be thorough. I'm making sure I'm not forgetting any other Ghostbusters. You know what I mean? Like before I named the last ghost, the, clearly the last Ghostbusters. I just want to make sure I'm not forgetting one. Chris Pines or or Chris Wrong Evans? Chris. Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth. Does he count? All right. Yeah. yeah. Chris yeah, Hemsworth. We'll, we'll throw he in. works for I guess the Ghostbusters. if Janine gets to go in, then yeah. like, yeah, he gets to go in. Um, is there an annoying neighbor in answer to the call that I'm forgetting about? <laughs> The delivery boy with the one wonton. <laughs> Dana kind of helps out with a lot of stuff, right? She's got to be way higher in the list, though. So we'll, we'll throw Dana in there. So rounding out number 19 or so, Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> and I only mentioned him because he helped write the thing, you know. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would probably count Ernie Hudson twice. Yeah, fair. He deserves it. It's reparations <laughs> for like... Really <laughs> fucking him out of the first two Ghostbusters movies. How do the cameos go over? Uh, that is the part that really sticks. Like in a good way or bad way? Good way. Like okay. it hits you like right in the. Is it something feels. you don't really want to know going in? Yes. Okay. Well, well, that's fair. Let's let's back away from that. So they nail the cameos. Yes. What about Annie Potts? Because like they showed her in the trailer. So how is she in this movie? I actually really like Annie Potts and don't appreciate that I don't get enough Annie Potts in my life. She is in the end credit scene with uh, Winston. Winston. And then there's also a scene about halfway through the movie. She has her own scene. I think she gives the keys or something to the farm, the dirt farm. So she doesn't do much is what you're saying. Not not much. Okay. You know what? I got to go back to our Ghostbusters ranking. I was being really unfair. I forgot to put Ecto-1 in that ranking above Ray. <laughs> and Ecto-1A. They are different cars. <laughs> <coughs> Which one's Ecto-1A? Ecto-1A is the Ghostbusters 2 car. Really? They're they different. are different cars. I mean, is this like a nerd different thing or is this actually a thing that was noted in the they, movie that they, I'm not remembering? I just read an interview with Jason Wright. The one that's in the the barn that they uncovered in the trailer, that's Ecto-1. And then because people were talking about the in Ghostbusters 2, the license plate was Ecto-1A. Okay. So it is a deep nerd thing. So it is a canon nerd thing. Oh, shit. I forgot. NES Advantage goes above Ray, right? (laughs) Like that that controls the Statue of Liberty. She counts as a Ghostbuster now, right? The Statue of Liberty? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Ray is down to like Just play some Jackie Wilson music and you got it. (laughs) Dude, Jackie Wilson <laughs> fucking deserves to be on this. Let's just put in all of the, all of uh, the Funk Brothers because they were playing for Motown at the time. Like, I'm pretty sure they were playing on Jackie Wilson's recording. I'm pretty sure he's Motown, right? All right, Ray, yeah. you may be somewhere between 22 and 33 in your <laughs> ranking. It, it just depends on the Funk Brothers distinction. <laughs> oh, Bobby Brown, dude. Bobby Brown's got to be up there. Yeah. Oh, my God. God, dude, we're forgetting about Ray Parker. Bustin makes him feel good, dude. Bustin makes it feel good. I can't believe he got away with that. <laughs> I can't believe he got away with that in the lyrics and it's in the video. And he is smiling. And he is smiling at the camera going, Bustin makes me feel good. In the, yeah, in the guess mood. what? Guess what, right? It makes everybody feel good until it doesn't make you feel good when you look at what you busted on. Like, it just depends on what you're busting. The best, the best part is, like, the part where they sing that song like you see all the Ghostbusters covered in white shit (laughs) (laughs) okay we should move off from Ghostbusters (laughs) well I do gotta check out your ranking so from like one to like three and three thirds what would you rank this uh 
As far as like the movie or like the yeah yeah like one to three thirds stars. So you got to take that improper fraction and you got to turn it into a whole number and then oh, you got to rank it. I'd give it a satisfactory plus. <laughs> that is not an option, sir. <laughs> All right, fair. Uh, so moving on. So Fresh Prince of Bel Air has a reboot. Have you heard about this? No. You know it's going to be good because it's on Peacock. Will Smith produced it, although he's not in it, it seems like. So they do a music video for it. Like the trailer is basically a video of the song, but it's done in a very unfun way. And it's like, this is a story all about how my life got turned, flipped upside down and out. And then like, he's like sinking in the water or whatever. And eventually he lands on a throne with like this crown that goes on him. It's like this weird mixture of like 2010s hip hop with like Biggie Smalls with like the imagery. And I don't like it. I don't like it, but here's the the write-up they did for it. Set in modern-day America, Bel Air is serialized one-hour dramatic analog of the 90s sitcom The Fresh Prince of Bel Air that leans into the original premise. Will's complicated journey from the streets of West Philadelphia to the gated mansion of Bel Air. With a reimagined vision, Bel Air will dive deeper into the inherent conflicts, emotions, and biases that were impossible to fully explore in a 30-minute sitcom format while still delivering swag and nods to the original show. This looks nothing, like a str- not, nothing you said makes me want to watch that movie. And everything I've read about it says that it's going to be an hour long drama. Ugh. Those three words together just make me not want to watch. Like hour long drama. You know why the dramatic moments work in Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Because, because you're in a, a 30 comedy. minute sitcom. And so when you have those moments, that go away from the levity, it really, really hits you hard, right? Right. Like, I mean, it was like good writing, but now you're talking about change. I don't know. I don't like it just off of that premise You're alone. changing the whole DNA of the show. Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I'll probably watch it just to talk about it, but because I keep forgetting to cancel Peacock. So <laughs> it was like, I got it for to watch Damian Lillard get a gold medal. And then I kind of forgot about it. And then like, I was about to cancel it. And then I was like, oh, Halloween Kills is coming on here. I better keep it on. And there's a couple of good Halloween things. And I just forgot about it again. I could cancel it right now, but I'm in the middle of a podcast. So I'll probably forget about it. <laughs> so I'll probably have it by the time Bel Air premieres. <laughs> so I'll let you know how it is. Uh, MacGruber dropped its first trailer. I heard about this. I haven't seen it. Here's the thing. I don't know if you're going to be in, but I think you'll be in in that it's not the same joke if this trailer is any indication. What they're showing in the trailer I do not think will be the show per se, but it's him in prison giving interviews and uh, to like some kind of documentary basically. So a la Tiger King? No. No. Like a like – a, um, What's the one with Stone Phillips? 2020? No, like the new show that they had where, where they had to catch a predator for a while and shit like that. Dateline. It's like a Dateline thing. But the way that they set it up, it appears, if this is any indication, that what they're doing with MacGruber for this one is making him an anti-hero. Okay? So, like, the first one, it's a straight-up parody of MacGyver, right? The second one, it's a parody of kind of cookie-cutters, 90s action movies, right? 
Right. This one feels like it's making fun of the anti-hero. Like MacGruber's supposed to be this like scary badass who gets results, right? Yeah. I love it, dude. They're changing the angle. They're fucking changing the angle again. It's not going to be the same old jokes. All right. I think I'm in, dude. No, I, I already admitted I'm in. Like, before I saw this, I admitted I'm in. But I think you might be in, dude. I'm definitely willing to give it a shot. You want to use my Peacock subscription that I keep forgetting to cancel? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll have to. <laughs> okay, you had some information on the Brit Awards, correct? The Brit Awards is a music awards. Not important. Are only British people allowed to compete? I don't know. Like the, I know like almost nothing about the Brit Awards, other than it's a. You mus- know the four sentences you've prepared. <laughs> it's a music award, and they took or they're removing the male female categories, and they're just doing like genre-based awards, like best rock album, best metal album, blah, 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 blah. So this is a music award? Yes. Okay. So they're basically doing this so that they can cut females out of the process entirely and just focus on the male stuff? <laughs> so that that's actually exactly what I wanted to talk about. Like, I, it's this progressive, the, but it's a like really it's probably problem. It's going to wind up regressive, yeah. yeah. This is exactly the debate that pops up around the Academy Awards all the time. They're always like hemming and hawing like, best actor, best actress. But then when you start to do the math, you're like, ain't going to be no actresses that wind up on that podium. That's if, it. If that's exactly yeah. what my thought what process was is like, you know, I, I it's think not that I they think, don't deserve to be, but no, that's, it's, that's it's, what happens. That's exactly my yeah. concern about that is like, I do think women need to be recognized. Like, I think some of the music they do is great. And it's just, I think they need their own desserts for that. Although it's have to like gender it. So they have their own category. Like that is the rub to me. Like what if they notice that this is a problem after a couple of years and there's no women getting awards. So then they do like the lady Brit awards. The Brit awards is probably like black with like a little bit of neon blue trim or something with all of their presentation the women one is just like purple with like a lot of pink like a lot of pink a lot like a lot like more pink than purple probably more pink than there ever should be and when i say purple i mean like it's hard to tell if it's purple or pink you know what i mean (laughs) yeah that that's what they're gonna do for the lady bird awards this is coming you just watch it they've just created a problem that they're gonna have to fix and they're gonna fix it the exact wrong way great i'm gonna start paying attention to the brit awards (laughs) so i can just fucking crack a beer and make fun of it dude i'm a real asshole when I'm drinking. (laughs) I haven't even had a beer in weeks. This is what I turn into. (laughs) Speaking of assholes, you had some on Kevin Spacey? He was suing. Actually, I'm not sure exactly which way it went, but the company MCR that ran House of Cards for Netflix, I think Kevin Spacey's was suing MCR for defamation or no, it went the other way around. MCR sued Kevin Spacey for defamation, loss of revenue because of all the awful shit Kevin Spacey did. Oh, geez. What did he do? Just some, aw- just some awful <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know what he did. Yeah. We and all everybody know everybody knows. Google that shit if you don't know. Just Google it. Yeah. So they they had sued him for $31 million. They had got a judgment. Kevin Spacey went to, what do you move it up? Appellate court? A, yeah, appeal. 
So he went to appeal it. Today it was announced the appeal was shot down. And so Kevin Spacey now owes MCR $31 million. You said that like Dr. Evil. <laughs> I feel like this is justice being done. <laughs> this is the really shitty thing when you really... All right, before I say this, keep in mind I've been drinking. I'm going to take the 10,000-yard view on this, okay? Because Kevin Spacey absolutely deserves to lose $31 million. But who's getting it? Who are the CEOs in charge of this? Do we not know that they're not running a pedophile ring right now? Out of a pizza joint? I'm not saying that. I'm not that <laughs> drunk, dude. <laughs> I'm not saying Pizzagate, but I'm saying like probably like a show up for a crazy weekend in Thailand without the wife kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? No aspersions on Thailand. There's definitely just some aspersions there's on definitely like hookers CEOs. and cocaine involved. Yeah, yeah and no, nipples. No aspersion on Thailand. Just aspersions on like every single corporate person. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> not, not the people who are like working in the mail room or like in front of a counter, like working at a fast food restaurant, wanting to cut their wrists so that they can feel again. I'm talking about the guys at the top. Like, these are fucked up individuals, probably more fucked up than Kevin Spacey, but more dangerous because they're not in front of the public eye. And that's what I worry about is that they're going to get an extra bonus, which is going to go into rounding up a lot of children into a, a bad situation. That's a thousand yard Allegedly. view right there. Allegedly. Right. I don't want to get sued. I don't want to get sued. We start to potentially make I some money here. I don't want to owe $31 million. <laughs> <laughs> what company is this? Doesn't matter. It's blind company. <laughs> not saying anybody in particular. I'm just talking about capitalism, folks. Wake up, sheeple. Wake up. <laughs> you get a little political when you're drunk, too. I get a lot of things. <laughs> Get a lot of things. One beer, dude. I am like a 15-year-old who just discovered a wine cooler for the first time right now. And I got thoughts. I got lots of thoughts. All right. So I was brainstorming ideas for topics for the podcast here, just kind of timeless stuff. That inspired me to look at talking about college rivalry in media like fictional college rivalries. I mean, there's hundreds of like 30 for 30s and sports documentaries. But that's not what we're talking about. No, those are, you know, actual football teams. And so I actually did a dive to find out about fictional football rivalries in media. I originally was just going to do movies, but it was so limited. I'm like, I got to expand this a little bit. Okay. Yeah, because I'm trying to think about, like, rivalries for college football. And I'm not thinking of any. I can think of tons of, like, high school football. There, I, there, If I went to high school, there's tons of stuff. Like, every high school TV show, they got the rivalry. You got, like, Fast Times, Ridgemont High. You got that. Right, because they're against Valley. Yeah. Was and, it Valley? Or, oh, they were Jefferson, and it was against yeah. Valley. Yeah. Yep. And so, I mean, there was a lot for high school. Wait, what do you say? No, 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 no. The football player's name is Jefferson. Oh, okay. They're Ridgemont. Ridgemont. It's in the title. <laughs> I was like, hold on, I can't let that one go. Because that took a minute to hit my ear. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I actually came up with two, three, four, five, six rivalries. And I had to go back to 1932 to get (laughs) six. And it was, I mean, I, I only did like 
and half an hour, 45 minutes of research, but it was tough. Dude, I can't even think of any college football teams. I, I like I could think of movies with college football players, but like Revenge of the Nerds, but I don't think we even see them play actual football ever in that movie. You see them in football pads. That is it. Yeah, like in the locker room. And, and, and we see the coach yelling at him a little bit. Yeah, because that's, that's about John it. Goodman. So they're though at the Adams. Man, zapped again. I'm pretty sure Zapped Again has a football game in it, but I could not tell you either of the teams. <laughs> and it's a rapey premise anyway. Yeah. So kid who can like move things telekinetically uh, and he uses it to lift up Linda Blair's skirt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so she wasn't like little Linda Blair. Problem. She was like fully grown Linda Blair. What's up? Yeah. I mean, some of those movies are pretty problematic, like Revenge of the Nerds. I think I want to say Lyle Lazado was in that movie too. Zapped again, I mean. Oh, chew. Uh, I don't know. I never watched it. I saw Zap. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was like worse than Zapped. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> Except sure. Except for it didn't have Scott Bayo. So it, w- it there was some addition by subtraction for sure. <laughs> All right. So the first matchup I got is Springfield University versus Springfield A&M. <laughs> Is this in The Simpsons? This is in The Simpsons. Okay. It actually shows up twice in the series. Um, once when they did a Homer Goes to College episode. And he oh, goes, that's a great episode where he's dead convinced that everything is like a college like, comedy. Like basically, uh, oh, what's the John Belushi movie? Uh, Animal House. Animal House, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like he befriends the nerds because he's sure that like at the zero hour they'll find a way to save him. Do you know who wrote that script? No. That was a Conan O'Brien script. That was the season that he was on The Simpsons because he was on it for like, I want to say half of three and half four. So that is one of my all-time favorite Simpsons jokes now that I'm thinking about it too. Like when Homer gets accepted to college, he goes, I am so smart. I am so smart. SMRT. And he's like, he's got his high school diploma up on the wall. And as he's chanting that, he had like went to burn his diploma because he's getting his college degree. And so he burns it while it's on the wall and his house is starting to go up in flames as he's chanting, I am so smart. (laughs) Uh, Oh, The Simpsons. Next, I have Greendale Community College versus City College. Okay. All right. And they actually do play football in one episode. I don't remember that, but okay. Because uh, they wanted to get Troy to be on the football team because he was the best. That's high right. School. Okay. I don't remember him playing football, but I do remember that plot line. <laughs> <laughs> now, I had to stretch this one, next one a little bit. ESU Timberwolves versus the University of Hard Knocks in the program. You know, I never actually watched that I never program. watched that one either. And I always hear about them having to put something up his dick to flush him out. And I'm always like, nah, hard pass on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, There's so much, like, it is not a comedy at all. Like, it is a straight up drama. And it's talking about all of the extracurricular with college football, like. The program? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. All all the shit that it takes to get college recruits and then yeah, all the like, shit the college recruits have. You to know, the, the college recruits that, you know, they'll pick up guys that are talented at football, but there's not a lot going on between the years. Right. Um, and, you know, they just string them along like they give them like the easiest classes and so they can get C's to be able to like just stay on the football team and or just ha- hire people basically to do the work for them and just. And then there's that dick thing I said, which is why I haven't watched it. <laughs> 
You know what's weird about that? If you're like Cronenberg shoved something up a person's dick in a movie, I would totally watch it. <laughs> like there's something about Cronenberg where it's the good kind of ew. You know what I mean? Is it though? Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's fun. Reaching, reaching nothing... into somebody's vagina rib cage to pull out a DV or a VHS. <laughs> there was nothing more delightful for me than to go to work and to tell my boss, I watched a movie last night with a vagina armpit that had a penile extrusion that got people sick and started an epidemic. That was great, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's rabid, by the way, if you're wondering. Yeah, I'm not going to watch that. Why? Nobody gets anything shoved in their dick. I've had enough Cronenberg movies for a lifetime. You're so happy to be doing a podcast where you don't have to watch Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next on the list, we got the South Central Louisiana State University Mud Dogs versus the University of Louisiana Cougars. So what movie is that? That is The Waterboy. Oh, I guess they do have a college game. Is that a rivalry or is that just a game? That's the rivalry because they Henry Winkler's character used to be right. the coach for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. And Adam Sandler okay. was the water boy for the That's a high quality H2O. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Um, I feel like we haven't been saying the winners of these. I obviously know that the water boys team won, whichever one that is. Yeah, that's the Mud Dogs. Who won in the program? <sighs> I'm guessing the School of Hard Knocks. So you, you don't know? No, I don't know. That's not a part of this, is it? You're just mentioning no. the rivalries. No, okay. I'm just talking about rivalries. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> For now on, I'm going to speculate who won and what the score is. Continue. <laughs> All right. So now we have the Texas State Armadillos versus oh. the University of Texas Colts. Yeah, this is the Armadillos one. And if I remember right, I think it's 13 to 10. I think that there's I, an important field goal thing that comes into part of it because Kathy Ireland is in it. Yeah. Uh, old Scott Bakula. There we go. I did know a fucking college football rivalry. I just didn't remember it. Yeah. And I guess and this the water is, boy, too. This is a uh, necessary roughness. Yeah, yeah. I remember liking that. I'm sure it has not aged well because it's a comedy from the 90s that stars Rob Schneider. Just in the water boy probably has not aged well because it's a comedy from the 90s with Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Rob Schneider is just an announcer. He's not in the water boy. Yeah, uh, he's... I don't know. He fucking just like, had the catchphrase that haunts us to this day. How hard do you roll your eyes and somebody goes, you can do it to you? <laughs> it It's a little bit of cringe there. Yeah, it's not yeah. a little bit of cringe, dude. It's curb your enthusiasm level cringe. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it, that's almost a closet full of COVID horde cringe. <laughs> COVID. Albert Brooks is a COVID hoarder. <laughs> that's my favorite line ever from that show. <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen the new one this week. I'm, uh, God, I'm really looking forward to it, though. I'm Leon all, is all... batting a thousand, dude. On the show, he is just <laughs> so fucking funny. His plot is so insane. Like, in the first episode of the season... Uh, I've only he... seen the first episode so far. So. Okay, well... And I'm not going to give away details, but I'm just going to tell you what Leon's arc is for the series, it seems like, which is he's dating this girl and they decide to take a trip somewhere and then she drops out of the trip. So every episode no, he's no, trying to no, find no, another no. woman with the same name to fucking like get the tickets and, you know, fuck him basically is like the plan. So... No, it was because Larry David had walked into a glass door. Yeah. And I then, mean, like. I wasn't going to get into the whole yeah. thing. That's right. That's right. So he was. He seems she looked a, vulnerable once she did that. So he didn't want to be with her. Unfuckable, I believe, is the term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
because okay, who was it? Who was the actress Larry David was with when that happened? Uh, Lucy Liu. That's right. He's with Lucy Liu, and then which like I was watching that, and I was like, There's every no. now and again, anytime he's dating an actress, I'm just like, no fucking way. It doesn't happen very often, but in this show, he's been with Lucy Lawless, Vivica Fox. He's been with. Uh, now with Lucy Lou, like that's a hard no on all three of those. There's yeah, that's no not fucking happening. way. <laughs> but whatever, I still enjoy it. It just you know takes yeah. me out of it a bit. Even Cheryl Hines, who has aged up now, but like at the start of the show, there's no way she ever would have been with Larry David. There's just no fucking way, dude. She was way too good for him. No offense, Larry David, but you know what you are. You're a bald fuck, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we got one more rivalry. And it's Darwin versus Huxley in the movie Horse Feathers. And this is from 1932. It's a Marx Brothers movie. Yeah, I've heard of this. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard of it. Just really quick, just to get the baseline here. How many Marx Brothers are actually in this movie? Do they still have the full array of Marx Brothers or did they lose a couple Marx Brothers? There are four in this. So I think they've lost some then. Because there's Groucho, Harpo, Zeppo, and Chico. Yeah, and I think there's like one or two more. They're not in like all of the marks. I don't know. I could be wrong, but and this is the f- I just watched this movie because like because it actually like made like a quite a few like as I was looking like top ten college football movies and like it made quite a few top ten movies because there's old people making the list. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot of. College football movies. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. Like, so they're just pulling at whatever they can get. It's kind of not surprising, though, in a way. Because let me put it this way: if you want to tell a football story, if you want to talk about like how hard it can be or whatever, like you kind of want to go pro for like the bigger stories. But then if you want to make them amateurs, you usually put them in high school because like literally everybody's had the high school experience. And so you can always like pull from that from the, to make it a more universal movie. And if you want to talk about college and like partying and stuff, then you typically don't really have football factor into it. You know what I mean? You just have a guy walk in with a Jersey, but that's, that's entirely his function. It makes sense to me. Like you're either going pros or high school. Like right. when I really start to think it out, like why aren't there college movies? I think I just figured it out. <laughs> and it's weird too. And like people, everybody understands like pro football enough to like watch it, but not everybody understands the nuances of college football enough to like hang with a movie of that. You know what I mean? Like there was times where that mattered, like when they're going for two and things like that, you know, which that's a plot point for necessary roughness <laughs> which is funny because it's definitely like a thing like when necessary roughness came out college football had two points but the pros didn't mm-hmm. yeah that was a thing forever and i do remember in 90 94 season because the 49ers won the super bowl in 95 i think right yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so in the 94 season, they did a poll of all the NFL coaches, and they asked, would you go for two if you had an opportunity? And this was before they put it in the two-point conversion. And fucking Seifert, the coach for the Niners, was literally the only coach who said I would go for two. And you saw that, like, a couple years later, they put it in the two-point conversion, and it was just like nobody would ever fucking go for two unless they were just getting killed. Fucking kill, dude. <sighs> cowards. Coaches are cowards, dude. <laughs> anyway. So one thing I will point out is the uh, 
Texas State armadillos. When Necessary Roughness came out, there wasn't a Texas State. Oh, there is now, though? There is now. Like, Are the they comp- the armadillos? They're not the armadillos. Cowards, dude. No, so... Cowards. They were just like, we don't want to be associated with Rob Schneider. So one of, <laughs> one of, one of the teams that the, the armadillos faced was... It was the Bobcats. So now it's actually the Texas State Bobcat. Okay. Oh, I forgot to uh, do what I said I was going to do. So on horse feathers, I'm going to guess that the Marx Brothers so win they, two they to zero. So they played for Huxley. They're, so Huxley is going to win two to zero. They won 35 to six. No, seven. Sorry. Okay. Cowards. Because they took all the footballs, put them in a chariot, and raced it across the end zone. They should have gone for two. <laughs> they didn't even fucking go for two, dude. <laughs> they lost 35 to 7, and at no point that were they like, we need to go for two. Cowards, dude. <laughs> Okay, so that's our show for the week. We had to cut off a little bit early because I wasn't able to reach Carl this week. Next week, we will talk about Hawkeye and hopefully get caught up with that. And until next week, take it easy. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs, Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs, or email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. A podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions, too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network. Wrestlers wrestle, but sometimes they make movies too. This podcast lets you know how they do. Listen to Eric and Connor in all three seasons of Movies with Wrestlers. One by one, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones too in the podcast you can't miss, A Cosmic Void.